remain standing. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. Turn to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. Read a couple of scriptures there, then we'll make our prayer. I will read out loud if you'll follow along with me silently. We'll read it together. Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one. Our folks, look around. If you see somebody that does not have a Bible, you want to share your Bible with them. I think we're doing good here this morning. Genesis chapter number one and verse number 31. Again, I will read out loud. You read along with me silently. Starting in verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden. Father, thank you for the Bible, the inerrant word of God, that which is always true, never needs to change, not going to change. Forever, O Lord, thy words are settled in heaven. You said you would preserve them to all generations. So I thank you for that in a world that's in constant flux and change. We have at least the word of God. Men have changed it, but real truth doesn't change. It's truth. Thank you for that. What confidence, what security that brings that there is a book, that there is a God, that there are things that God talks about. Never going to change. It's not going to change. So I ask you to please help me to help these people this morning be with our dear friend, Brother Monsignor, and about his daddy. Watch over them, please, and comfort them during this great time. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to an end. Oh, but faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me to my friend I believe that the Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change life 
today for he changed me completely a new life is mine that is why by the cross I will stay said, uh, I said, you ever go to a baseball game? You ever clap for those people? When somebody does something good, you go, oh, that's great. You ever do that? But somehow when it comes to things of God, we play that way back, way back. First of all, I don't need it. I didn't start it. I pay a bit. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, that. It's just something that they do to, to try to show uh, appreciation on it. Um, anyway, Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one, a couple of things you need to pay attention to here. For example, in Genesis chapter number one, the word God is found there 21 times, 21 chapter, 21 times. He, speaking of God, six times. After his kind, by the way, um, that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about trees and animals. It talks about kind, not species. For those of you that are into fake evolutionary stuff. And so Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 31, I just thought I'd throw that in there so you stay with me. Now, verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Even after 6,000 years, which is for man, that is our time. 6,000 years so far, 6,000 years. Since the beginning of man, we are not that far removed from Genesis. We're really not. We think we are, but we're not. In behavior and belief and a lot of other things, we're not that far removed from what we just read. I want you to understand here, the same beings are involved. Satan, man, God, man, woman, not it. The same design by God is intended. God has not changed his design for mankind. He hasn't changed it a bit. 
I'll talk to you more about this in a moment. The same design by God is intended. The same questioning is being brought up by us. The same thing that happened here is the same thing we do today. I'll try to show you this here in just a moment. The same temptations are brought to us. The same temptations are brought to us. No, 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 not the tree of knowledge. There's no tree around here. Well, there are out back, but not that one. And, uh, but we'll talk about that also. The same reactions by us concerning disobedience. We have the same questions towards God about disobedience. The same thing they did in the garden. And the same misunderstanding and wondering about God's love toward us. We have the same questions as they did way back in Genesis. We find out here, though mankind, even most Christians, believe this isn't us today. I mean, we're a lot smarter than this. We've learned a lot more now than it was back then. We claim that we're more intelligent. We do not believe or behave uh, as they did here in Genesis. This is actually, that kind of statement is proof that we are just like they are in the book of Genesis. I want to talk to you about this this morning, the fall of mankind. A lot of misunderstanding about the fall of mankind concerning Satan, concerning God, concerning us, concerning the intention. I want to talk to you about that first. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help me, please, to help your people. May those that are here that are not saved, that it will come clear to them that you want them to be saved and they can be. And then help those of us that say we're born-again Christians, may we live and act like we're born-again Christians. May your word come alive to us in this room this morning and those that might be listening and watching by live stream. Dear Holy Ghost of God, you know what every one of us need. No man knoweth a man better than the spirit of a man, and no man knoweth God better than the spirit of God. So we ask you, dear Lord, to please, through your word, talk to us this morning that we will know what we're supposed to know and then lead us and guide us to do what is right to do. Thank you for the Bible. Help me this morning to help your people in Jesus' name. Amen. First, I look in Genesis 1.31. The first understanding at the completion of all the creation was this. Just in case you misunderstand. Watch what it says in verse 31. And God saw what? Everything. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? It wasn't just good. It wasn't, ah, it's not bad. It was very good. Now, that's coming from God. So God is saying, everything I made was very good, and the morning and the evening were the sixth day. So we're at the end of creation after six days, and God, if you would, steps back and says, that's very good. God liked what was going on. Am I on? Am I? Okay, good, wonderful. And so we come to find out, now with all that being said, look at chapter 3, verse number 1. Then, now the serpent. Then it says, now the serpent. Satan used the serpent. The serpent was not Satan. Satan, uh, the serpent was already there. Does it not amaze you that when this animal began to talk to Eve, she didn't go, what are you doing talking? You're not know allowed to talk. You're an animal. Uh, understand, I believe animals talked before the curse, and I have other Bible to, to show you that. So here was Eve carrying on a conversation with a serpent. By the way, it did not crawl on the ground. It stood upright, the Bible says. So it's not the serpent because that was part of the curse was you'll crawl on your belly the rest of your life. So if you already did that, not much of a curse. And so we come to find out that this is what's going on. In verse number one of chapter number three, now the serpent. 
Now understand something about this thing about the fall of man. Come to find out here, listen carefully. Neither the serpent nor Satan, watch keyword, made man to sin. Okay, did not make him sin. Did not make Eve sin. He said she was deceived. Eve or Adam, either one, did not make them sin. I'm talking about the fall of man. Lucifer rebelled, uh, I'm sorry, sin did not originate with man. We tend to believe that. Sin did not originate with man. Sin originated with an archangel in heaven by the name of Lucifer. I don't have time to show you, but we could go to Isaiah, we could go to Ezekiel and show you just exactly how this happened. And the Bible said he was lifted up in his heart. And so we come to find out Satan entered into the serpent. And so it wasn't the serpent or Satan that, listen, made Eve or Adam to sin. Lucifer rebelled against God in heaven. Rebellion is a sin. Rebellion is a sin. Rebellion against God-given authority is a sin. So we wonder and question, why did God do this to man? God didn't do this to man. I'm talking to you about the fall of man. What took place, our misunderstandings about what was going on, to try to help you understand what God was trying to do in all of this. So we find out here, we wonder and we question why God did this to man. God did not introduce man to sin. God did not introduce man to temptation. Why did he put that tree in there? First thing, we always wonder what God didn't say. Why didn't God say? Why didn't God do? Why did Instead of just, is it, this is a pretty thick book. There's a lot in here. Should we not at least be concerned about what's here before we start being concerned about what's not there? But this is nothing new. This is exactly what the devil did. Go to James way up by Hebrews, right after the book of Hebrews. Go to James chapter number 1. God did not make Adam and Eve sin. God did not make Lucifer in heaven sin. He did not do that. Go to James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. Drop down to verse number 13. The Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted. Now this tempted, now you're reading different. Uh, God tempted Abraham. In, in Greek it would actually mean that he tested Abraham. Here it means to be drawn away or presented with some sin. So he's saying here, let no man say when he's drawn away or presented with sin, I am tempted of God. He said, don't, don't, you can't say that. Why? For, ready? For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Talking about with sin. So when we go back to Adam and Eve, it wasn't God tempting them with sin, and that's why they fell. That's not what happened. Watch what happens here. But every man, are you there? Verse 14. Every man is tempted when? He is drawn away of his own lust. Lust is a great desire. Some people have a great desire for power. Some people have a great desire for money. Some people have a great desire for physical lust. Some people have a great desire to be well known. That, so it's a great desire. It doesn't always mean something fleshly, uh, 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 sexual, if you would. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Enticed means drawn to the excitement and hope possibility. Is this not what gets us? 
we look at something, we think of something, and go, man, I'd like that. That's your lust. Everybody has it. Yours may be a little different than me, but we all have every man is drawn away of his own lust. The enticement part is what the world does when it says, that could be yours. Hope, possibility, desire rises because of that. And what does the Bible say? It says here in James chapter number 1, verse number 13 and 14. Look at verse number 15. Then when lust, which you already have, hath conceived, that's a birthing term, ladies, right? Conceive is birth. When something, when two things come together, it's going to produce something. It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, not when it starts, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err. Do not stray. Do not do, do not run off from this, my beloved brethren. So God will not tempt or cause us to give in to sin. God will not do that. It's impossible. God said, "I I don't do that. I will not cause. I will not tempt you to have to give in to sin. I won't do that." However, watch this, the devil will tempt you. He will tempt us. He'll use our own lust against us from something in the world that will arouse us to desire that, the hope of, but he cannot make you sin. God will not tempt you with sin. The devil will, but he cannot make you sin. Now, all this has to do with Adam and Eve and how everything got started here. Man sins when he's drawn away of his own desires. We start to question, ultimately, whose fault is this that this took place in the book of Genesis? Do we not normally think, why didn't God, why didn't God, why didn't God, how come God? This is the first thing we think about, right? Some of the first things we think, understand, setting guidelines which is what, listen to me carefully, I'm just trying to help you here a little bit, setting guidelines and rules and conditions and do's and don'ts does not make a person sin. Well, I had no choice, things were so strict. That is not what makes a person sin. Why did God say this? Why did God say this? Why can't I do this? Why am I not allowed to do As though that restriction forced me to sin. It did not. Got your attention? Come to find out it does not cause man to disobey or rebel against God. Actually, God's word, his ways, his instructions, his restrictions is to keep man safe where he ought to be, not the other way around. But did we not listen to people talk? Doesn't it sound like they're blaming God? Look what's going on in the world. Why doesn't God do something? Like he did it. God didn't do this. We did that by disobeying what God said. Stay there. You're going to be great. Okay, ready? Stay in the garden. Do what I ask you. Life everlasting. That makes sense? God said, look, I got this set up. You're going to be great. Oh, you're going to love Everything's perfect. Actually, I looked around after six days and said, everything is really good. I like this. So we come to find out God did not put things in there to force man to sin or tempt him past a point that he had no choice in these things. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, verse 11, watch what happens here very, very carefully. Who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten? God knew, didn't he? God knew. What happens here, God commanded. His restriction did not cause them to do this. God gave a command to not do. 
God didn't give the command and that restriction forced him to do that, forced Adam to, 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 to sin, but his disobedience to God's word. You know what you got in your lap? What do we call this? God's word. Oh, we call it, call it God's word. Well, it's called the Bible, but we call it God's word, right? It is God's word. Man has changed it to suit him and made it man's word. But the Bible said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That God said he would perfectly preserve his word unto all generations. So somewhere in this world, there is a perfectly preserved all word of God or God is lying. So out of the two or three hundred different perversions and commentaries called Bibles, out there somewhere, there is a real word of God or God is lying. Thought I'd generate some thought there. Satan does not make anyone to sin and disobey God. He doesn't do that. He can't do that. He's not allowed to do that. He uses deception. Keep in mind Adam and Eve. He uses deception. He uses enticement. Ready? Ready? He uses reasoning. He uses reasoning. Getting us to question God's word and God's love toward us. Now we're going to go back to Genesis for a minute. I'm going to try to show this to you. So what happens here, he uses deception in these things. Our reasoning, led by the devil's questioning, gets us to question God's word and his love for us. Well, if God loved us, why didn't he do this? Is that not what people say? If God really cared, why didn't he do this? Who in the world would suggest such a terrible thing? In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the first thing, how dare we, look, folks, look at here. How did we get to the point, actually started in Genesis, to allow the creature, human or demonic, raise question about the almighty creator? When, when did we get to that point? But look, if you would, please, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, yea, hath God said, are you kidding, a serpent, now Satan's in him, but a, certain, a created being, a thing, is talking to one of God's people and saying, did God say that? Why would we ever listen to a human being or a creature, demonic or whatever, raise question about almighty God? Why would we do that? Well, it kind of started in the garden. The infidel may say that's blind obedience. But the born-again Christian calls it intelligent obedience because I am following the words of Almighty God. That's pretty intelligent, you ask me. There are blessings in every act of following God, blessings in every one. Adam and Eve, they had everything. There are blessings in every act. But when saved, but when, when, when the moment that the soul hesitates to believe God's word and believe that God loves me, that's the opportunity for the enemy to begin to misdirect. We're going back to Genesis here in a moment. So go back to Genesis. I want you to see here. Notice in verse number 1, chapter 3, hath God said. Huh, sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? Hath God said. Doesn't that sound innocent enough? Look at the follow-up question that follows real close at verse number 4. Ye shall not surely die. So the first thing we have here, he simply raised a question about what God said. Now think about people who argue back and forth about the Bible. First of all, you got a human being with, with very little knowledge overall of what goes on, period. Acting 
thing is, though, he knows or she knows all of eternity's questions and wherefore and how comes. The serpent said, did God say that? Just a suggestion. But it was followed up by a contradiction. You're not going to die. Really? God said we were. God said, yes, you're saying now we won't. He didn't start off by saying, hey, let's get drunk. He didn't do that. Hey, let's shoot up drugs. He didn't say that. He didn't say, God's a liar and you don't need to listen to him. He didn't say that. All the thing that he did was to raise question as to whether God said something or not. Did God say that? Followed up almost immediately by him simply having a contradiction as to what God said. God said, the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. He said, ready? You'll not surely die. That's a contradiction. So now we're going back to Genesis and finding these things out. Listen very carefully. I don't know where you're at on the intelligent ladder, but if you're really, really intelligent, you're on the low rung. The refined rationalism is very closely related to infidelity. Refined rationalism. Well, I'll tell you what I think, and I'll tell you why. And We're so refined while we're arguing against God. Refined rationalism is very closely related to infidelity. And infidelity that dares to judge God's word is one small step away from atheism. There is no God. Let's think about the way you think or the way society thinks. Okay, All of us in here, we're believers. We love God. So we'll talk about the church down the street. Okay, If Eve had never stood to listen to this creature bring up a question about her creator who gave her everything, who loved her, who in the evenings God himself would come down and walk with she and Adam in the evenings. Where in the world did she start thinking maybe he doesn't care? Understand something here. God's word would not have lost its proper authority in her heart, in her conscience, or in her understanding had she continued to walk with God. America and the world have stopped our walking with God, and how can two uh, walk together lest they be agreed? God said, I'm always right, and if you deviate from that, you left. And the farther you left, the more into darkness you go. You do not understand the light. And God is light in him. There is no darkness at all or variable of turning. God cannot do that. There is no darkness in God at all. So the farther we get from the word of God, the less we're able to see or make it make understanding. It just doesn't make sense. Why, 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 why? And we're always asking about what God did not say. Our confidence is shaken concerning God's love. In the world today, it is shaken. Even among Christians, our God's love toward us is shaken. We're not sure because this happened to me and that happened to me and this happened to me that God loved me anymore. It's shaken. Who brought that question to your mind? It is shaken by the world's power of infidel reasoning concerning God's word. You may not be aware of the great fight about God's word. It didn't start with the King James Bible. It started in the garden. King James Bible been around for 240 some, 250 some years, I think now. 
And uh, if it could have been destroyed, don't you think it would have been? If it could have been proven wrong once and for all, don't you think people would have done that? So you know what they do? They do what the devil's master had them do. Let's make a whole bunch and we'll just confuse everybody. And the Bible said God is not the author of confusion. Then who is? The devil is. Satan raised question about God by reasoning about what God did not say. That's all he did. He simply got to reasoning about, listen to me, what God did. I was in here one day. Let me show you what people do. I'm in here shaking hands with everybody, kissing babies, running for office. You know how I do. Walking down the aisleway, and a guy, first time here, ever here, ever here, had a mask on, you know, and nobody else did. And, and uh, first time I ever met the guy, I said, hello, I'm Pastor Bell. He said, Ezekiel 37, 38. What do you think about all that? Don't you think that? I said, uh, it's good to see you. Glad to have you here. Just kept right on walking. Some people key in on one or two things in their entire life, and that's all that matters to them. And so they get farther and farther away from God's Word. The more we become what we think we should be, the less we understand God's love and what God does in our life. Satan raised question about what God did not say. If God loves you, human being, why would he let you go through that? If God loved you, why would he put a restriction on that? Why would he do that? So he simply, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, for God doth know. Now he's going to say, look, I'm going to tell you something that God already knows. He just didn't tell you. You ready? Sounds like the world, right? By reasoning, the world's suggestion says things, listen, why can't we do this? Ready? The Bible doesn't say we can't. See, we're always talking about what the Bible does not say. Why didn't God tell us about that tree? He did. Why doesn't God change this or change that and all the little suffering children all over the world and, I'm sorry, gave them parents? Why do we keep blaming God for everything? God gave man everything he could possibly want, including the very presence of God in their lives. And yet we keep questioning God about what he did not say or why he does not do certain things. Why doesn't God change this? Why doesn't God allow this to happen? Why is God not allowing us to do... Fill in the blank. Satan puts a positive spin on that which God said... So I'm supposed to believe God that what he didn't tell me is good for me and I don't need to know. When Satan is telling me, why would he do that? Do you know how much more you could be? Do you know how much more you could have? Do you know how much more freedom if you just got out from church, Bible, parents, restrictions? Yeah, oh, we could really enjoy life, couldn't we? If God truly loves you, why would he prohibit you from enjoying more privileges? Doesn't that make sense? Why did God stop us from having everything? Privileges. They're yours. Why did he do that? But I want you to understand something. Look in chapter 3, verse number 6. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse number 6. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, now, this is the one he said, 
don't partake of it. The day you do, you shall surely die. Now, God told him. He didn't say, this is going to make you sin. That's why I put it there. That's not what God did. God put it there and said, don't take this, okay? Everything else was theirs. We always want what we're not allowed to have. It doesn't make any difference how much we have. Somebody asked a, a, a billionaire one day, they said, uh, how much is enough? Actually, it was Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes said, ready? Just a little more. You ever wonder about people who are multi-million or billionaires, why they keep working? Just a little more. More authority, more power, more recognition, just a little more. I was watching a guy on uh, TV, not TV, he was 80-some years old. That was the co-founder of Home Depot. Totally against this whole woke junk going on. Lazy young people. I mean, the, guy, the guy's 80. I mean, he just he was ripping hot, going at it. And he said, it'll never work. It'll never work. They're spoiled. They don't know how to work. They're not going to suffer anything. They're not consistent. They don't want to get up. They don't want to work, but they want to make a lot of money. Now, I didn't say that. I wouldn't defend you like that. Some old guy... Some old guy said that. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you what this old guy said. He was the co-founder of Home Depot. That's what he said, along with a lot of other people are saying that too. We're finally catching on to what we older people have been led to almost give in to. Except people like me. Okay, now, so we find out here in verse number three. I want you to notice the pattern. Ready? She saw. Think about your world. She saw. She desired. She took. She ate it, then she shared it with someone else. Shared it with somebody else. Now think about the things that you start to allow in your life. What's the first thing you do? You just saw something and said, I'd like to have that. Desire. Then what did you do? You went and took it. I'm not talking about stealing. You just made it yours. But you see, when we disobey, we don't disobey by ourselves. We like company. So we're going to do something wrong, and would you, would you like to get with me? Man, it's going to be fun. And it's the first thing we do. So we invite somebody else in on our disobedience. There are three areas or tools, listen carefully, that Satan, go to um, 1 John, way up by Revelation, 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2. There are three areas or tools that Satan and those that side with his ways used to get us to no longer love or trust God or think that he can't be trusted and he no longer loves us. Satan, this is what he uses. Watch me very carefully. This will apply to you. Everything I'm saying today applies to you, okay? 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 16. Are you there? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And all that is in the world, now that's quite a bit. He said all, right? He said all. Not what you think, I think, all. All that's in the world, ready? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, capital F, God, Jehovah Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father, what God instructs, that's the will of the Father, abideth forever. You know, Adam and Eve could have been in the garden to this day with a whole bunch of kids. By this time, trillions of kids. You know what they did? Just what I got through talking to you about in that scripture. They disobeyed God. As long as they were obeying God and believed God loved them, 
eternity. It's yours. Have at it. But as soon as they decided to listen to a creature talk about the creator, the child of God, when any of these things take place, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life take place, any one of those or all three of those, you have just lost your position with God. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about your position with God. What happens here is this. So if I do not dwell happily, there's so many Christians, you're really not happy about being a Christian. Yeah, we go to church and we're not allowed to do that. Oh, good. I can't wait to become a Christian if that's the way it is. What is wrong with us? Oh, you're not allowed to do that? Man, no, I guess not. This is what the devil did to Eve. Yeah, what? You, so you're not allowed to touch that. You're not allowed to eat that. You're not, really? Huh. Well, you know God knows that the day you eat thereof, your eyes, you'd be like gods. Ooh, who would want to be a god? Raise your hand. Yeah. I want to be a god. Yeah, buddy. Actually, a lot of human beings are. Don't misunderstand me. You make up your own mind. You decide what's right and wrong. You lead your own life. You decide what eternity is all about. You must be God. Anybody listen to me? So what happens here is this. He gets us to questioning about God's faithfulness. About me surrendering myself to the creator because I'm not the creator. I am not infinite. I am finite. I do not live forever. It's appointed unto man wants to die. You're going to die. We all are. The only way to overcome, not to avoid, listen to me carefully. The only way to overcome, not to avoid, all that is in the world, if all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the, uh, of the eye, and the pride of life, if that's all that's in the world and it's not of the Father, you can't avoid that. But how do you overcome that? How do you overcome the deceivements that's out there and the temptations that are out there and the allurements that are out there, which is all around us everywhere in this world? You have one thing, and God set it up and said, if you will obey me, Not avoid it. But Adam and Eve, you don't have to sin. You don't have to give in to that. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4. Man, when's this old guy going to get done? I promise you, as soon as I'm done. Guy asked me the other day. He was, uh, his background's Catholic. I was talking to a guy yesterday. And he said, uh, so how long does your service last? I said, well, normally just as quick as I can get done. And they said, oh, okay, that's the way it works? I said, yeah, that's just what a lot of people are used to. Go to Matthew chapter number 4, look at verse number 1. Now, the reason I say this is because watch what happens here. Jesus was tempted in those three areas. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Hold on, hold on, hold on, don't jump to conclusions. You mean he could have sinned? No way. Impossible. But you understand the devil always attacks human beings the same way. It's all he knows what to do. So he attacks them through their flesh, through their eyes, through the pride of life. Jesus was a human being on this planet. He didn't have a father like we did. He had a heavenly father. But so the devil comes to him and tries to do the same thing to him that he does to every other human being, including Adam and Eve. 
watch what happens here. So here's what's going on here. And Jesus was led up of the spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, was afterward and hungry. Makes sense to me. And when the tempter came to him and said, ready, if thou be the son of God. Was he the son of God? Yes. So he's raising question. So you're the son of God, right? Yes. Command these stones to be made bread. Now, why would he say Because he's hungry. Necessity causes a lot of Christians to do what God said not to do, but we make excuse by reasoning, but I was hungry. Okay, if you got hungry enough, would it be okay to steal? Please don't answer. Is it against the Bible to steal? Okay, let me ask you this. If you got in a situation, you ever had somebody say something like this, look, I'm going to tell you something, but if you tell anybody, I could go to jail over this. So they're asking you to lie, to deceive, to keep back truth that maybe somebody needs to know. Is that right? What are you going to do in a situation like this? Lie? I mean, what choice do you have, right? See, this is that human infidel reasoning that I was talking about. The devil and the world is famous for doing these kinds of things. Look what he says here. But Jesus, watch his response. Now the devil said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. You're hungry, right? Lust of the flesh. There you go. Watch what he says. But he answered and said, what did he refer to? Your Savior, God's only begotten son, said, let me quote you some scripture and what God wants. So he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the devil came tempting him to go against God by suggesting something, watch, that he needed. I mean, why would God keep something from you need? That's a good question. Hmm, I'm reasoning already. You? You know, Jesus said, um, I'll, I'll tell you what my father said. He said, I don't live by bread alone, but by every, every, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now we go on to the next one. Watch, verse number four. And he said, uh, uh, sorry, verse number five. And the devil taketh him up into the holy city. Now remember, everything in the world, everything in the world is not of the Father. The devil taketh him to the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, if thou, here we go again. If you're who you're really supposed to be, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. Now he's actually even going to use Bible against Jesus Christ. But he's using it out of context. He's not using it properly. Watch what he says. For it is written, this is a devil talking. It is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, and in thy hands they shall bear thee up. The, and that's true. That's exactly what the Bible says in the Old Testament. You ever have somebody talk you into something? And you go, look, I can show you right in the Bible. You know the Bible said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Put those pieces where they belong. Don't just make up what you think, even though you may be using Bible. That's how false calls get started. Watch what he says, verse number six. He said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Look at verse seven. And Jesus said to him, it is written again. He didn't change his, he didn't change his direction, didn't change his tune. He simply said, as, as boring as this may sound, uh, let me tell you what God said again. You want to irritate people whether you want to or not. I like doing that, don't you? And so when I used to be out in the world and I was working out there, uh, hey, Brother Bell, let me ask you a question here. And so they got all these questions, you know. And at first, well, you know, the Bible says this. Yeah, what do you say about this, this, that? Well, you know, the Bible says this. After a while, I've had people tell me this. Is that all you got's the Bible? 
Yeah, sorry. All I have is God Almighty's word, and you have reasoning, suggestion, and being taught by the word. Yes, that's all I've got. Watch what Jesus, Jesus did. Watch what Jesus did. And Jesus said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. End of the story. Don't need to discuss it anymore. There you go. So look at verse number 8. Again, the devil taketh him up to exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of everything and the glory that's in them. Oh, my goodness. Can you ever look at downtown or go to Chicago or go to New York and look at the buildings? You ever look at the buildings? My goodness. They call them skyscrapers. They're scraping the sky. And you look at this and you go, wow. Who would ever dream? I was in... Uh, getting a surgery the other day, and they have all these eye tools that they do. You ever put your face up against one of those things, put your chin here and put your forehead right there. All you folks who wear contact, you know what it is. And I got to looking at the mechanism. Who designed that? It's pretty cool. It's got all these things that go up and down, backward and forward, and, and it does all this judging according to your eyesight. And I'm thinking, man, that man is pretty smart. We're, we're smart. Amen. We're smart. Look at the things we've done. Don't tell me we can't accomplish that. We can I was thinking the other day about the billions of miles of concrete and asphalt in the world. Man's pretty sharp, aren't we? You go under some of these underpasses, and they've got to be 100, 150 feet in the air. Concrete, and they're just staying up there. Well, you see, preacher, with this and that. I know, we're pretty smart, aren't we? Man, we're so smart, we can figure things out without God. Isn't that amazing? The creature has now become smarter than the one who created it. So watch happens. In verse number nine. And he said, all these things will I give thee if you'll boom. So that's what this was all about. That's what this was all about. Who's talking here? The devil. He's talking to Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son. And after he's been fasting and praying with no food or water for over 40 days, now he's being tempted, tested. And he says this, if you'll fall down and worship me, I will give you every kingdom you've ever seen and all the glory that's, who would not want that? Who does not want to be Bill Gates? Who does not want to be a billionaire? Who does not want to make policy? Who does not want to make their mark on the world? That's us. That's us. Secretly, that's us. In your own little world, whatever. But watch what he says. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan. For There we go again. All he's doing is quoting Bible. Why do you think this is in here? God is saying, you want to know how not, you can't avoid it. Jesus didn't avoid it. But how to overcome it? It is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Here's what you're saying. You say, well, he, he could overcome all of this because he's, he's God's son. That's why he could do it. Really? I'll tell you how he overcame it, and it is true. He was God's son. But here's how he overcame it to show us. You ready? He knew his father loved him, and he obeyed him. Now think about Adam and Eve. We were talking about them. Jesus said, look, if you would, I know my father loves me, and this is what he said. I'm going to obey my father, and I know he loves me. I don't care how much I'm hungry. I don't care how much I'm tempted. I don't care how much of the world somebody's going to give me. I love my father. He loves me, and I'm going to obey. That's how Jesus overcame what's going on in the world. Are you listening to me? 
This is nothing new to you. This started all the way back in the garden. Eve did not yield herself to what God told her. She didn't yield herself to that. She gave in to it. She started wondering about it, started questioning about it. She was therefore no match for the actions and suggestions by somebody else. You're not either. I'm not either. You say, preacher, is that all you do is study? And I wish that's all I could do. I wish I never had to go out and work. I wish I never had to face. I used to work. I've been in factories. I've worked on B-1 bomber. I've been around intelligent people. Uh, and they can be very, very sickening. I worked in a factory where there were drug addicts and whores and drug dealers. And I mean everywhere. Every, every, every uh, uh, shift they were there. And I worked there for five years. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to work out in the open with lawn care and that kind of, I know what it's like to work on the B-1 bomber and be around all these intelligent college people. You know, people that are very, very intelligent, very nice people most of them. It's those who think they are that irritate the daylights out of me. So watch what happens here. You find out here in Jesus' life the command these stones to be made bread. That's lust of the flesh. And we're going to go back to Adam and Eve here in a minute. Give me all the kingdoms in their glory. Lust of the eyes. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Jesus. He's doing this to Jesus Christ. And then he said, cast yourself from this pinnacle. Angels. God said angels would. Yeah, that'll never happen. He'll send angels. Pride of life. Eve did not yield to what God said. When you do not do that, you're no match for the suggestion and reasoning of the world. Because all that's in the world is not of the Father. Genesis chapter 3. Go back to that. Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. Look at verse number 5. <clears throat> Satan deceived her. You said that's not her fault. All she had to do is obey the Lord no matter what. But she didn't. She listened. What she listened to? She listened to a suggestion and then she listened to a contradiction. That's where she really messed up. Verse number five, for God doth know, Eve, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something God knows. That the day you eat thereof, what did he tell her to do? Do not eat it. But God knows when you do eat it, then your eyes shall be opened and, oh my goodness, I'm interested now. You shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. But he left out something very, very important. They would know good, but now without the power to do it. Sin entered in. They would know evil, but they didn't have the power to stop it. So he told them eh, partial truth, which the world is really good at, telling you part truth. Well, I didn't tell you that part. See, and that's where he attacks the Bible, telling us what God did not say. And we're getting used to this kind of talk. Their very attempt to elevate themselves, you understand, a perfect woman, perfect man, perfect surroundings, perfect God, and they wanted to morally or characteristically elevate their life. Anybody remember the devil up in heaven? He was the anointed cherub before the throne of God. All these beautiful stones were him, pipes and tabrets, this magnificent heavenly music coming from him, the most powerful angel ever. Anybody know what his problem was? He just wanted a little more. I want to be like the most high. I want to be God. Eve, you and Adam could become gods. 
See, what happened to the devil, he simply brought down here and said, it never dawned on him, it didn't work with you. A lot of people, it's not going to work with them. Is this not what we want? You say, I don't want to be a God. Then why do you run your own life, decide what's right and wrong, decide what God says and doesn't say, what's best for you, what eternity's all, I don't believe there's a hell. I didn't know you were God and already knew. I'm just thinking, this is what the devil did to Eve and got her completely sidetracked. The eyes, the Bible said, of both of them were opened. The very attempt, the only thing, they became degraded, powerless, Satan enslaved, conscious smitten, terrified creatures in a garden. But they hid themselves. Why would they hide themselves? The Bible said the eyes of both of them were open. That's true. But to what? Adam and Eve had a consciousness for the first time, ready, of who they'd become. You know what the outcome of that was? They hid themselves. They tried to cover things up, and they hid themselves. They become afraid of God. an effort to cover themselves. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. This is the first recorded attempt of man to remedy by his own efforts and abilities, by reasoning and taking care of a condition he didn't want to meet God with. Got to do something. God's coming tonight. We always walk in the cool of the evening. We know he's going to show up. We got to cover ourselves up. We did wrong. We got to cover it up somehow. You know how we do this? Well, preacher, I do good. Well, preacher, I don't hurt anybody. You keep sewing those fig leaves together. Why, why are you doing it to begin with? Something wrong? No, I just think it's the right thing to do. Adam and Eve. Are you listening? So what happens here is all of this. This is not, this is not changed. Man is still trying to hide himself so that he can be acceptable to God when he shows up. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is coming. Oh, that's something else the world told you no, right? Do you know a majority of Christian of Christian in, overall in the world do not believe in the virgin birth, do not believe in the second coming of Christ, do not believe you need to go to church anymore. Everything God told us to do, they have told us you really don't have to do. It sounds like I can't get this out. I, I hear a hissing. You hear a hissing? Surely you don't have to do that. Surely God will love you. Surely you don't have to go along. Now, if your name's Shirley, I'm sorry about that. I'm going to tell you. He tries to cover himself up because of the presence of God. He knows he needs somehow to cover himself before God shows up, and he's getting ready to show up. No? If you're sitting here right now and really irritated, I don't know if you are or not, but if you are, shoot you, I didn't stab you, I didn't steal from you, all I'm doing is talking to you about the Bible. But your human flesh is saying, I'm smarter than that, I don't believe that, that's not necessary, as though you wrote the Bible and know everything about eternity. Isn't that foolish? Isn't that arrogant? Isn't that prideful? Isn't that stupid? If it were just a misunderstanding what took place in the garden, if it was just a difference of opinion or a this should be good enough in my opinion to cover myself up, then why does it say that they were afraid? 
If everything we, well, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that. Then why do you keep trying to cover yourself up? If it's just a misunderstanding, why do we try to cover up what we are? Why did Adam and Eve cover up what they had become? Why do we act that way now and verbally present our reasoning like this? Why do people now stand in their purposeful ignorance and pride and are pleased with their efforts to cover themselves up as though God will just have to accept me the way I am right now. Why'd you cover up at all if everything's okay? What are we hiding? Because God himself has not come to the garden and that's why you think it's still okay to do what you're doing. You can whitewash the sepulcher. You can put up artificial fruit and leaves all over the trees you want to. You can sew your own clothes together and cover yourself up. But everything is naked before God. God sees it all. Why would you even attempt to do that if everything's okay? This was Adam and Eve. Had Adam still been walking? Oh, just think. Had Adam still, some of you were raised in church, weren't you? Talked to a guy the other day, and he said, you know something, preacher? He said, I was raised in church. A lot of the stuff you're talking there, I'm very familiar with. I just, I just don't do that anymore. I said, why? Here's a great answer. I don't know. Isn't that a great answer? I don't know. Nice kid, really a kid, 29 years old. Nice guy. He said, I don't know. But as soon as I started talking to him, things come back to his remembrance about how God loved him, how things were going well. Now his family has been divorced. Mom and dad have been remarried. Now he's trying to work a job for himself. He's trying to make it in the world. Everything got a whole lot tougher, Adam and Eve, by you simply saying, so God doesn't love me? Like, why wouldn't he allow me to? Are you kidding? Why shouldn't I be able to? That's it. Suggestion and doubt about God, his word, and his love. If Adam knew God's true love, he would have never done this. If Adam knew about God, what happened to us? What happened to us as Christians? What happened to America? What happened? God's dead. If he loved us, he wouldn't let this happen. We have every reason we think on why I don't have to. I wouldn't reason a Christian that way. It was God that came searching for me after my life was destroyed. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't my worldly friends. It was God Almighty. I told a guy the other day how my life used to be, and he said, you'd never know it. Well, you see, when you let God handle your life, number one, you quit feeling sorry for yourself, making excuse for yourself, saying church isn't nothing, it's full of hypocrites. Why do you say that? Because you don't know what I'll say. You're trying to cover things up. You're just trying to cover things up. Had Adam not lost his love for God, he would not have acted this way. If Adam knew God's true love for him, the very last thought on his mind would have been to run away and hide from the person whose very character. Don't we like to say this today? God is love. God loves everything. Then what's Adam hiding for? Why is Adam hiding? What did he run away for? 
The very attribute of God is God is love. Yes, we love to use that today. We don't know any other Bible, but we know that one. Adam knew that. Adam, you walk with God every day. He created you. You're the only man in this world. He gave you a wife, gave you all these animals, gave you a perfect place to live. Why would you hide from God? Because he started to believe in maybe God doesn't love me like he said he did. He began to disobey God. But Satan made a grand mistake, and I'm going to close with this. Satan came into the garden hoping to destroy man and his relationship with God. He made a bad mistake. He didn't make a lot of them, but this is one of them. You know what he did? He actually proved to be the instrument to demonstrate a side of God we'd have never known if they just knew the creator. You see, in creation, you don't read about God's love, patience, long-suffering, tenderness, mercy, kindness. You don't read about those things. What you read about is a creator. Let there be light, and there was. Let the dry land appear, and it was. You'd know the power of God, the awesomeness of God. You'd see that one side of God. In creation, that's what happened. But Satan, when he got Eve and Adam to fall into sin, now God came the first time to create. The second time he came, if you would, he came to save. In order to do that, he had to show, if you would, his love to a man. This is the question. God, if you love us, why do you? God said, I gave my only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, whosoever, I don't care what you've done, what you did, my son died for you. Let's get back together. All of these things in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. Here he comes. Here comes our God. Here he comes. And then in verse number 9, that same chapter, and the Lord called unto Adam. God, I messed up. You got to come down here. It wasn't Adam. It wasn't Adam. It was God come looking for Adam. Wasn't Adam looking for God? In Romans it says, no man searcheth after God. They've all gone astray. There's none righteous, no, not one. You may be searching for something, but it ain't salvation. God came looking for Adam, and this is the proof of it. It proves man was lost. Why would God come searching for him if he wasn't lost? They meet every day. Why would he do that? Seeking to save, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Adam was lost. He's hiding now somewhere. Where's he at? Adam. Adam, where art thou? Adam. That didn't used to take place. God would come in the court. Come on, Adam, let's walk and talk together. Hey, let's spend some time together. That's the way it was. Like that young man I talked to when he was younger. He said, I remember that. I said, so what's it? Oh, yeah, those are good days. I remember those good days. I said, and now? Eh, it's okay. I'm, I'm learning. Maybe I should come to church. That's what he said. I said, yeah, maybe. Maybe we better do that, okay? So watch what happens. Man was lost, but God came down to man. Jesus, the Bible said God condescended to men of low estate. God didn't looking for good people that don't need him. I don't know why I need to be saved. I haven't done anything wrong. God's not looking for you. You know why? You don't think you need to be saved. You're too good to be saved. But the Bible says 
But God commendeth his love. God demonstrated, showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm glad that's true because I was a sinner, sinner. I mean, sinner, sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner, sinner, sinner. You're kind of here. I was like down here. And Jesus said, that's okay. I died for you too. See, you, you're right here. You, you think you're, it's God, Christ, Holy Spirit, you. The Bible said all are sin. Now, my sinning may have more effect on other people in this world, but you sin too. Lust of the eyes, no. Lust of the flesh, no. Pride of life. Some of you will not give in this morning because of that one. But if I do that, what will my friends think of me? I don't know. What will God think of you? That's what you ought to be worried about. See, Bible says God came to seek man. He said, what was so special about God seeking man? Well, it's kind of like the shepherd seeking the lost sheep, the woman seeking the lost coin, the father seeking the lost boy. You know what's so special? The sinner needs his father. You are lost. And God has come down through Christ, through other Christians. How many times have you been witness to? How many times have you heard preaching? How many times has God tried to prick your heart? And you begin to reason, say, oh, I don't know about that. Well, my background's Catholic. I don't care if your background's Baptist. If you're not saved, you cannot go to heaven. God didn't come to Adam and said, is my Baptist friend here? He didn't say, is my Catholic friend here? Is my Lutheran friend here? Jesus come to seek and to save that which was lost, not so that you can claim, I'm right because I'm a Catholic. I'm right because I'm a Jehovah's Witness. You're right because you know Jesus Christ, but you're not right at all, period, Baptist or not. How did the disobedient Christian reply when God called for him? God came looking. He came looking for you this morning, isn't he? He's calling out to you this morning, isn't he? Just like he did me over 51 years ago. Small country church sitting over here in the corner. He called my name. Oh, it was in here, but he called my name. He was talking to me, and I knew it, and you know it too. Adam, Adam, I'm here. Where are you? He was hiding. God's calling to you, and your answer is, but I'm afraid if I go forward, what will happen? Why are you afraid? I didn't ask you to be a Baptist. I asked you, if you died right now, would you go to heaven to be with God? That's all I'm asking you. Eve, Adam, where are you? Who told you you were made? God knew. He just wanted to know if they would be truthful about it. You know what they started doing? They started blaming each other. Adam said, God, the woman you gave me. Now, that part might have been true. Now, okay. He said, the woman you gave me. The woman said, the serpent. Everybody blames everybody else on why they're really not right with God. What was God's original intent? What was his original design for man? Watch how simple this is. God made man. For uh, I'm sorry. He was made for God. He was made by God to walk with God and to live with God. Isn't that simple? Look how complicated this thing has become. This is what Satan caused that separated man from his God. Sin has separated between you and your God. Sin did that. Sin did that. 
so God said, if I don't do something, they'll never get back to me. So they devised a plan, if you would, and Jesus came down and said, look, I'm the door. God came down searching for you, lost person, and Jesus now is the door. You're going to go to heaven. It's through him. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved, but to Jesus Christ. This is what God did to bring us back into fellowship. This is what the word, this is what most mankind does when he hears God's word. Covers up his disobedience. Start, we start excuse making. I am bad at some people. I, I know people who have, yeah, but I know a guy that, and we just keep covering ourselves up. And if I can point at you and you're real bad, I'm not so bad. So what happens? Most of mankind goes about doing this. When he hears God's word, he hides from who he really is. He just hides from it. You do that by your excuse making on that. You're not as bad as the preacher's talking. You actually help people. If you're not saved, it's a dead man helping dead people. He's afraid of what God may do when time comes to face him. Bible says, appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Death is not the final word. You saved? The fall of mankind stops all, when you really look at it, stops all the excuse making, tells you exactly what happened, who's at fault, what was the disobedience, and it really hasn't changed over time. God comes searching, knowing we have sinned. God knows, folks, listen to me. God saw God heard, God was there, everything you did, everything you did, your dirty mind, your dirty eyes, your dirty flesh, he saw it all. They must not love me. Are you kidding me? He sent his only begotten son. Do you, you remember the story? Do you remember any of the story? Go back and look at it again. Does that make you want to run and hide away and cover up when God was shown his son naked on a cross to die for all of us? I mean, he revealed everything and said, this is how much I love you. Adam, where are you? He knew. He knew. And yet he sent his son and said, hey, I still got you back. I know what you did. I know what you're guilty of. But I want you back. So now you see what really happened. Now you see who really caused this, not made it, who caused this. Now you see who was really at fault and still is. And you'll also see who came searching for a man and who loves him. And that's God. Let's pray. Father, thank you.